rockin' navy, uh, uh, know y'all with me, uh, uh, let's get it, baby, uh, rockin' royal, uh, rockin' navy, uh, know you with me, let's get it, baby, boys just came back from their mission, we going crazy, Kalani got no problems, you could call him Jay-Z, best feds up in the nation since the 1980s, strength staff keep us working, yeah, we never lazy, Coming at you live, but not actually live because this is all recorded. But we're live in Arlington, Texas. Another edition of the Cougar Beat Podcast. Sean Walker from KSL.com, joined by Ronald Weaver the Third. I'm back, folks. He's back. ESPN 960 executive producer. I think you got promoted since you were last on the podcast. I did get promoted. So, uh, thanks for shouting me out. Yeah, there's there's that promotion brought to you by KSL.com. You're welcome. Uh, we are here at, uh, we're getting ready to leave AT&T Stadium in Arlington, just outside Dallas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Boo. It was, don't be, don't be, don't be booing half our, half our listeners. Come on now. Okay. I apologize, um, listeners. I don't have a favorite NFL team, so I can't really say much. Um, but, uh, we just wrapped up day one of two of Big 12 Media Days, BYU's first venture to North Texas as a member of the Big 12 Conference. And the energy, the word, I'll, I'll say this, Ron, the word I will use to describe today is energy. And specifically when it comes to BYU and when it comes to head coach Kalani Satake, there was not a man with more energy for a longer period of time. Like you could tell Kalani was just happy to be here. And maybe the honeymoon period with the Big 12 will eventually wear off. Maybe this team will win two games in 2023 and hashtag fire Kalani will be busted out on social media again. I don't know. Nobody really knows what was going to happen. But for today, I felt like Kalani Satake was just happy to be here. I agree with you. He was. Um, we had a chance to interview him, uh, hear from him in multiple occasions, and he was just excited the whole time. He was stoked. He loved Every second, you know, he, like you said, energy describes it. He is so excited to be in the Big 12. He is so excited to be here. He is so excited to be and wants to get into conference, but he just loves football. Uh, that That is the word to describe Kalani Sitake. I don't think, I honestly think Kalani could have gone all the way till midnight, to be honest. He was that happy. <laughs> he, he tried to a couple of times, in fact. He had, a, he had a prior engagement that he needed to get to later tonight, and uh, his publicist, sports information director, uh, BYU Director of Football Communications, Brett Pine, was kind of standing over the shoulder a little bit like, come on, we got to go. Like, we've got a schedule that we need to keep. And um, so it was really funny because Kalani just wanted to talk to everybody. And it's new. Everything here is new. Um, but go, you could you could feel fan Kalani come out a little bit. And, and Satagi mentioned this a couple of times where he's not just the head coach at BYU football. He's also a former player. Played fullback for Lavelle Edwards in the mid-90s. Isn't he the first player to be a coach, too? And he, well, sort of. We'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, okay. But uh, he's the, yeah, so he's a former player. And more than anything, he likes to to constantly remind you that he just grew up a BYU fan. So BYU fans have been waiting for this moment for, some would say, nigh into 50 years, at least 30, um, even if you're semi-reasonable. And so to have this day arrive, BYU's inclusion in a power conference, a seat at the big boy table, in the Big 12, 
centered around a state like Texas, where BYU recruiting has always been kind of at a premium. Um, you could you could just feel the anticipation and the passion and the overall emo- emotion for this moment. Um, my my favorite quote from Kalani today was, "If I'm dreaming, don't wake me. Please don't wake me up." He didn't want to wake up. He didn't want to leave this moment. Like, eventually, he's gonna have to get back to the grindstone. He's gonna have to get ready for this fall season. But like, this was just such a dreamlike moment for him. Um, and you could really see that he went over a lot of media that he doesn't normally talk to. A lot of the passion, a lot of the emotion, we've heard a million times in the local press. His players know it. His bosses, administrators know it. Um, but I talked to a lot of like regional media here in Texas, some national media. They're all very impressed with just how passionate of a coach uh, Kalani Sitake is. Again, what does it mean going forward? I don't know. Is he still that passionate about the Big 12? If you know, if BYU wins three games this fall, or if they're one, or if they're a tragic, uh, tragic game shy of making bowl eligibility in their first year or whatnot, does he does he get over it a little bit more? Maybe. But for this day, at least, it was such a just a long dream finally fulfilled. Fulfilled that it was really cool to see that passion kind of come out a little bit. I agree. He's on cloud nine. Let the man be on cloud nine. The man's probably going to be on cloud nine, like you mentioned, until the end of July. Until fall camp, till they have to report for fall camp. So right now he, in his eyes, may seem like dreaming, and he hasn't woken up yet. And we won't wake him up, and he won't wake himself up. His sports information directors won't, his coaches won't. But once he gets back to Provo and August hits, he'll wake himself up and be like, "All right, it's go time." Yeah, probably a little bit before August. I would yeah, probably a little bit before. Last week of July. <laughs> what were some of your biggest takeaways? from here at Big 12 Media Day. We had a state of the kind of a state of the conference address from now second year commissioner Brett Yormark. He talked about this past season. It was a really good year for the Big 12. I didn't realize that until you kind of put everything together, but four team national championships, 23 individual athletes won individual national championships from the Big 12. Uh, obviously there were really big moments TCU football making it to the college football national championship game. Uh, Oklahoma softball's third straight national title, just absolute domination in there. Yep whole bunch of big moments in between. Um, and, oh, by the way, they also signed an extension to their media rights agreement with ESPN and Fox. It will be the only conference on both networks from between now and 2030. Um, as of right now, they are the only conference on both of those networks, beginning with this new round of media rights deals with the, the Big Ten moving to everyone but ESPN. ESPN's going all in on the SEC. Um, still don't know what the Pac-12 is going to do, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Big 12 is going to be on in both. I mean, there were just there were a lot of massive wins for this conference this year, and that's not even necessarily talking about. Yeah, there's a little bit to do with Texas and Oklahoma, um, but all around there were just a lot of W's that Brett Brett Yormark stacked. We didn't even mention going to Historic Rucker Park next week. Um, Big tw- the Big 12 Mexico initiative that'll be coming That's my up. Favorite. We'll touch on that a little bit. Um, like it, it was, it was just, it was pretty impressive to see. I think just how much this conference has done and how much more they want to accomplish. But, but what really stood out to you from from all of that? Um, the thing that big stood out to me is Brett Yormark is the 2023 Commissioner of the Year. That's what that stands out. I'm 100. percent I'm not playing when I say that. What the man has been able to do, starting with the TV rights deal, that's amazing. To get them on both ESPN and Fox, okay. Jump of the Pac-12 in line. Jump of the Pac-12 in line, beating them to the punch, which we know that Pac-12 was like, 
beating them to the play. That was fantastic to be able to do that. That's the first step. Now we're gonna go international even more. Like, you know, we're going, we're going, you know, we're gonna go to Mexico. A school like BYU, who's already been in the ballots for Atlantis in the Bahamas, like loving that. I know Tom Homo wants to be all over that. Yep. Of course, and with the church adding that in Mexico, like, could you imagine just, you know, the Latino, you know, culture in the United States and, you know, in Mexico? Like, I think this is great for. I don't know what year it happens, but BYU fans out there, if you live around the border, if you have any ties to Mexico, you live in San Diego, look into ways to get to Monterrey. For a college football game in the coming years, bowl game. Yes, I have a very strong feeling BYU is going to be playing a football game in Mexico. I think it's going to wind up being in Monterrey. They've actually got a little bit of an American football pedigree there. It's in the north of Mexico, um, and it happens to be pretty close to the heart of the former Mormon colonies. Hmm. So you don't say, Sean. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Um, I, I got a pretty good feeling BYU is going to wind up playing yes. football in Mexico as part of this Big 12 Mexico Absolutely. initiative. Bas- basketball may also come soon. Uh, I it's going to start this year. Kansas and Houston, I think, are starting it up this year in Mexico City, and they're going to kind of rotate schools and whatnot, try to extend the brand that way. BYU will probably be a part of that eventually, but I don't know if it's as like quick, as like necessary as getting the football program into Mexico with that influence there. No, you're right, and that's what I love. That and that's the biggest takeaway is you know Big Twelve, you know Mexico. But if we're also going to talk about you know other stuff that he's done, they have been they have the second most following rate you know in the conference. Like you mentioned that, you know I think that's good and and of of you know clicks revenue you generate social media is big now. I think that's a big thing he's been able to do. He also there was a question asked by, uh, by a media member about. BYU, if there's going to be another West Coast school to also go with that last, you know, time slot. Because for those of you that don't know, the Big 12 is also the only school that has time zones in three. You know, has three. If they're in three, three, time, they're zones. In three time zones. Brett Yarmark has been very open that he wants to so break into the fourth. fourth. He wants to break into the fourth. They're the first university to break into three. So I would also assume they'd be the first university to break into four. So that was another big takeaway. Is like, okay, he's really trying to expand. And that's why I said, oh, this is Big 12 Global. This is Big 12 International. He's really. He is getting stuff done. Like, Brett Yormark is not messing around. Brett Yormark is just getting started, as he said. So it's I'm really excited. You have a commissioner who is very enthusiastic. He is very, very gung-ho. Um, you know, he, he wants to get stuff done. He's excited. He is, like Kalani, full of energy. Um, and you can see from all of the lists and stuff that he got done, if you would just go follow us uh, on all of our, uh, you know, main profiles and other pages that we're covering, you would see why he is so excited and all the stuff that he's got done. He's gotten all of that done in a year on top of expanding the conference to, you know, right now, 14. So. All of that being said, I did take particular note of Brett Yarmark maybe stamping down a little bit, pushing back a little bit on the Big 12 has to expand kind of report speculation uh, rumors whatever it is out there hashtag sources etc kind of push back a little bit on that narrative agreed uh, just a tiny bit I love this one we have a plan for expansion hope to execute it and address it sooner or later quote but I love the composition of the conference right now if we stay at 12 we're perfectly fine with that not necessarily in a hurry to expand they don't feel like they need to add members just to add members. He, he was very clear that he wants new members to be additive, to bring added value to this First. league. Um, and the Pac-12 is finding out right now, 
soon to be Pac-10, I guess, that in order to replace the value of USC and UCLA, there aren't a ton of options out there. So you got to think the Big 12 might be running into a little bit of that problem as well. Who is out there that truly adds the value that is worth divvying, whether it's divvying up your TV contract a little bit more, splitting up your annual revenue a little bit more? Who is truly worth all of that? There are a few options. We've heard San Diego State's name floated out there. UConn, Colorado, Arizona, Gonzaga as a basketball first school. Um, even Memphis for a hot minute it's kind of been floated out there but do any of those schools truly bring value to a potential 14 team Big 12 it's Gonzaga in basketball to be honest yeah I mean I think each of these schools can make an argument for sure Um, but I think they can also probably make an argument for otherwise so I don't expect the Big 12 to expand just to expand I guess after hearing from your mark and maybe it's all a negotiating tactic maybe it's a ploy Maybe it's part of his sales pitch. Um, but if the Big 12 is going to expand, they're going to bring in somebody that matches the rest of the remaining league after Texas and Oklahoma leave, obviously. It's true. Uh, anything else stand out from your remarks address? From the, we had hurdles of, so half the conference spoke today. Yes. Head coaches and players from... TCU, Houston, Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, and BYU rounded out the very end. Steve Sarkeesian had some very nice things to say about his former teammate, Kalani Satake, and BYU. Reiterated some stuff about uh, them joining the league, um, how deserving they were, that kind of thing. Mike Gundy, really not letting this beef with Oklahoma die. <laughs> it's the end of Bedlam as we know it. He's, he wants everybody to know Oklahoma State wants to continue the Bedlam rivalry series. It will end when Oklahoma goes to the SEC because Oklahoma is going to the SEC and for no other reason, according to Mike Gundy. So I'm here for hashtag Gundy beef. Um, I just want more Gundy beef. Um, and then uh, Sonny Dykes I thought was great as well. Shout out to Sonny Dykes. Not the defending conference champion, although he, TCU did make that incredible run to the CFP National Championship. So you can be forgiven if you'll forget. Tomorrow we'll hear from the actual defending champs. Uh, that's head coach Chris Kleiman and the Kansas State Wildcats. Quarterback Will Howard will be in attendance. He's one of only a handful of returning starting quarterbacks to this league. A lot of transfers. We'll also hear from UCF, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. Brett Venables will round out the day. Um, so, yeah, busy day today, just as busy tomorrow. A lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm, just a lot of newness and freshness. And, and for at least one day, it feels like Big 12, the Big 12 got everything they could have imagined and everything they could have wanted out of BYU and maybe a little bit more just off of the energy, I think, that it brought to the stadium. I would agree. The Big 12 got exactly what it wanted, but I think each school, um, you know, got what it wanted in as well, especially the newcoming schools. I think, like, I'm not trying to be rude, you know, each school had their perspective thing, but there was a lot of attention today on Houston. There was a lot of attention today on BYU, these new schools that have come in. And even to go back, there was even a lot of people at Kansas. Like, a lot of people were really wanting to see, to talk to Jaden Daniels. You know, hey, like, this was going very, very well, you know, before, you know, unfortunate events, 
you know, you being injured, like I saw him around with a lot of people, tried to request him, couldn't get him because everybody wanted to be with them. But no, there was a lot of attention on Houston and BYU. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see tomorrow how much attention will be on UCF, Cincinnati, um, as the other two or newer schools. And they're smart for splitting it up the way they did because if you were to put all four of those in the same day, or you put three, I think that causes too yeah, much. Yeah, I probably would have so drowned it, out a little it, it bit. Drowned out. Yeah. So they did a really good job, and I just want to give them credit for balancing that, putting Houston and BYU. Um, now you have UCF and Cincinnati because those are what the question is going to be. Nothing against you know Oklahoma, Iowa State, or West Virginia. A lot of transfers, right? But like you said, um, I think a lot of the attention tomorrow is going to be on the tour new schools. You know, people are going to want to talk to Scott Satterfield. Um, people are also going to want to talk to you know Coach Gus. But I think a lot of attention also will be on Kansas State. Um, and like you said, quarterback Will Howard. I think from what I, what I have seen from a handful of people's preseason media polls, Kansas State got a lot of first-place votes. They did? And, and they did. And I know that they're number three. A lot of people think they're repeating. I even told you I don't have them winning. I told you I have Oklahoma one, Kansas State two, and then Texas three. So there's a chance Kansas falls somewhere in that top three. They were ranked, I think, number three. I think a lot of people had Texas and Oklahoma. But the point is that Kansas is going to be making some noise, I think, again. They have a program that's established. They have a quarterback that's returning. And those the offense knows the system. I think they're the most, I don't want to say complete team. If, if I were to say complete, I mean as in, like, they're established the best of they know who they're coming back with. I know there's a lot of the schools that are bringing their quarterbacks back. But as far as, like, productivity coming off of what they've done, what they're able to build off of. Yeah, Jalen Daniels, uh, best quarterback in the Big 12 right now. Agreed. In my book. Um, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Kansas is re- relatively popular, especially over here with the broadcast media. Agreed. Yeah, I was surprised by that yeah. today. They split up the broadcast and the print media on two sides of the field. Uh, Jalen Daniels didn't get quite as much time with the print media. It felt like that was because he was getting pulled every direction by radio and TV. And, you no, know he was. He was with everybody guys. today, honestly. Um, yeah. A lot, spent a lot of time, which hashtag Daniels for Heisman. I mean, you got to start it early, right? Hey, you never know. <laughs> Who was the last Big 12? Was it Robert Griffin III was the last Big 12, last quarterback to win Heisman? I don't know, probably. My brain's a little bit mushy right now. So That's all good. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we're going to get out of here. It's been a long day. Get this posted. As always, KSL.com for the full recap from the week. ESPN 960 down here. Spending the long haul. Lots of long shows there uh, for you guys. Getting you that best stuff right there. For Ronald Weaver III, I'm Sean Walker. We'll get you out of here with what you really want to hear. A couple minutes with Kalani Satake. I think you can feel a little bit some of his enthusiasm for wanting to be here really genuine really personable one over a lot of people in the big 12 um, all eyes will be on byu this fall yep all eyes on byu we'll uh we'll see you in august of course and i've talked to him quite a bit i talked to gary patterson quite a bit too and so i I mean i have to do my homework as a head coach to just kind of see how what teams did and what they felt about they could have done differently um it's it's I, I, I don't know if I can explain it to everybody, but once you've been through it, you kind of know what to expect. It's just different with BYU, you know. So um, I know there's going to be some learning curves along the way, but I like to, to have the learning curves be not so much on the field as much as on the other stuff, you know. Coach, given your program's track record of playing Power 5 opponents pretty consistently, do you feel like that might give you a 
a leg up on the other three newcomers as far as adjusting to that in the long run? Well, I was hoping so. I don't, I don't know if that if that's going to be exactly what we're facing, but I, I think I'm trying to think. Um, Mitch, you'd know this. What, what years we we had? Maybe seven, the most. So seven. Seven in 2020. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think that was really good, but we're we're facing we're we're facing nine, ten when you include Arkansas into our our schedule. So that's going to be different. And and um, but when you go against these powerful, you know, these powerful uh, physical power five teams, uh, it takes its toll on you. And so um, you may not feel it that night, but you're going to probably feel it the next week or the week after. And so it gets you to emphasize a little bit more on the, the depth of the team. And so that's what we're focused on. Is you make sure our depth matches the skill that, that the starters are. You'd like to have 100 starters on the team. That, that's Hopefully we can get that point. Sorry about that. Oh, they're good. You mentioned a minute ago about the church. The, you, you're getting into a conference that has Baylor, TC, both church, private schools, church affiliated. Mm-hmm. What does that do? do you, you look at what they've done, and, I mean, how different is it to have three such schools in a power conference? That's really cool. And then, you know, talking to Dave and, and, and talking to Sonny, that it, it just – you know what you represent, and it's really cool going into a conference where there's already already an institution that's faith-based, and that, that uh, there's similarities. I know, speaking for our administrators, when they talk to the administration at TCU and at Baylor, uh, there's a lot of things that that, that um, like a lot of things that you can kind of organize, and there's a lot of situations that you're going to have to face, and it's it's been nice having those uh, big brothers type type of people help us through the process. Geographically, this is probably the most unique conference at the moment with you guys out there. We're from Orlando. We've got Florida here. What do you think of just about the geographic landscape and the diversity of schools that are now in the conference? Yeah, it's cool. And then we're talking about playing in Mexico, which I'm all about. So let's let's take this thing out to Tahiti and play some games out there too. But no, I, I, I think the uh, it just shows that the the world's smaller than what we think, especially with the technology and the ability to travel now. So. Uh, I like the fact that we get to be at different time zones and, uh, and, and the, that there's a lot of variety and diversity in the, in the teams that we're, we are in the conference. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. For the fan bases and programs that maybe haven't played in Provo before, aside from you know the, the setting which mm-hmm. the mountains and everything, is there anything game day experience that's distinctive or that maybe fans might not know about or expect? Um, the fans, maybe the, the altitude's a little different, but I mean, if, that's if you're a jogger or whatever. But you can tell I don't jog very often, <laughs> but but it's the um, it's the I think I think the overall um, experience of just interacting with the people. The, the fans at BYU are amazing people, and um, I, I, I'm excited for other fan bases to be part of it, a part of it, and to interact with our fans. And it's going to be a, a lot of fun. For them. You, you guys went a little aggressive in the transfer portal this past year, bringing mm-hmm. not just talent but also Big Twelve Power Five talent. Not that this is that gives you an advantage, but when you do have some disadvantages when it comes to recruiting, do you view the transfer portal as an era of where you can maybe level the playing field against their opponents? Well, I, I, I look at the transfer portal as something that's new in college football, still fairly new, and my job is to make it an, a, a, a strength for us. And so the way you make it a strength is you look at the different rules or whatever comes through the NCAA or whatever we decide to do, and and, and, and and then you adjust. And so my, I'm always about innovation and creativity, finding ways to take something like the transfer portal and making sure that they're a great fit and an advantage for us. Um, they still have to be a great fit because I'm, I'm what you're concerned about is, is when you're bringing in a bunch of new guys, culturally, how is that going to work? It can't just be about what they do on the field. and It can't be about what you see on film. It's got to be, are they connected to this, this environment, to the to the culture, to the, to the, just the, population that's there in Provo, you know, and if they are, 
then great. And, and if they're not, then we really can't have them there. The last well, one, what, what advice did Keaton give you? And it feels like you're in your element that you really are enjoying this. Oh, game. you know me. I like hanging out with people, guys. Come on, man. I I wish I would. I, I, when I first walked in here, I'm like, yeah, this is it. You know, this is really cool. And I was excited to talk to everybody and find. I mean, I knew I was going to be asked a bunch of different questions and a bunch of same questions, but I'm trying to find different ways to talk to everybody. I just want everybody to feel like the, the passion and excitement I have to be in here. And so I, I, this is a really cool moment for me. I'm just trying to take it all in and, and, and show how much appreciation I have for it. So this is really fun for me. Shark, Shark talked about the relationship that you guys have. Mm-hmm. You were talking with the commissioner when that happened. You got a smile, big smile on your face. What's your thoughts on Sark and the relationship that you two have? Oh, man, that's my guy. And so I, I've been... I've been uh, really impressed with him as a coach, obviously, and I've known him before when we were nobodies, you know, when, when, when I was a, just a true freshman fullback at BYU, and he, he was an incoming uh, JC transfer, you know, so it, it was like um, just being able to connect when you knew someone from day one that, that, that didn't have all the, the spotlight on him, and he's always been real to me. He's always been, and even when he... Uh, got opportunities and I was just a, 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 a nobody assistant coach he always treated me with respect and treated me with kindness I've always I've always liked that you know so the, the fact that that um, he, rem- he remembers the, the people that, that have been there and the people that knew him from before that's huge for me and, and, and Sark will always be a friend of mine. The, the last two years the top five teams haven't been represented in the Big 12 tournament. In fact the two teams have won it have pre-snots six and seven. There's been a lot of coaches here who have said that this is a deep conference, but would you also consider it an open conference, especially for the future? Well, I, I just look at the if, – if, if I'm looking at just the film, this is a talented conference and well-coached. And um, then a creative conference with, with so much explosive football on, on all, all three phases. But when you talk about offense and defense, it's, it's a unique conference where the – I mean, the – from top to bottom, they're all great teams. And so I just watch the film, and it's pretty evident. You're watching. It doesn't matter what, what team you're pulling up. There's athletes all over the place, and it's, it's, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be a lot of fun, too. Last question. Nobody wants to be the last. So did Keaton say anything to you? What did, did he really give you advice? No, Keaton, I was asking about it. He's like, oh, it's going to be fun, Coach. You, he, he, he did say this is going to be your kind of thing. So I, I don't know what that meant, but yeah. But, but the fact that you have a bunch of cool people that are out here that love college football, um, I really appreciate that. So I, you know, I, I connect the people that, that, that cover their, their teams and cover college football together. And then you mix that in with food and the energy that's around. The only thing that's missing are fans, you know, so what, We'll get to that point when it comes to the season. So I'm always going to love media days. What flavor ice cream do you get in the fourth quarter? If it was up to me, I'd get Rocky Road. But I'm all about chocolate. For some reason, chocolate and marshmallow goes well together. Um, I don't understand the non-dairy one. So. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't want to offend everybody. But like, and there's a certain thing. But... But I'm willing stands, to try anything, so I, got, I didn't think it was ice cream, but it's amazing. It's really good, so just try it. In terms of food, try everything. Let me get this water. There you go. Rockin' 80. Know you with me. Let's get it, baby.
we go alone like a cougar tail defense hitting hard like some seashells get into the green i ain't talking kale boy that team up north man but oh well we getting jiggy with that boy cosmo we granting kids wishes like that boy cosmo they steady hating on us but we who they watch though